two, one. Hello, and welcome back, finally, to series three of the Have We Made It Yet podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, the comedian Josh Yang, Young, Josh Young. Yeah, correct that for the people, man. Um, and I'm Lucas Ng, the actor portion of this podcast. Season three, man. Season three, series three. It's all, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to believe. It's been, we're entering our third year doing this. Yep. Uh, lots of ups and downs. And uh, it's been a bit of a hiatus for just a couple months. And we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, for those of you who are just listening for the first time, w- welcome to, to the Have We Made It Yet podcast. It's where two creatives talk about the process of making it uh, in the comedy and the actor uh, acting world. Uh, and we basically give you a little look inside our journey. We both uh, just kind of started in the last, well, since it's been three, three series of the podcast, it's been like three yeah. years, mm-hmm. but we're still very new to it. Uh, and we've been taking you along this journey with us as well as our guests. So we'll have guests on this podcast also sharing their creative journeys uh, in acting, music, comedy, film, television, all these uh, industries where you never quite know whether you've made it or not. So we're, we like to figure out what everybody, everybody's interpretation of that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right off the top, we there do we like are. to ask each other the question uh, because we like to give a little intro and update uh, <laughs> as co-hosts. So I'll ask Lucas our podcast question. Lucas, have you made it yet? No. And um, I'll be honest, man, I I was messaging you earlier today and I was like, man, a little nervous, like going into season three right now, because so much has changed. Uh, No, I have not made it yet. But as some of you may see, if you watch this on YouTube, like it's a new background, because that means from season two, I moved to the other side of the country. I'm in Vancouver now. And uh, because of family stuff and everything, I felt it was better to be back home. But that's the major change, man. And uh, I'm getting back on that acting horse right now. Had some great meetings last week and also this week with some great agents. And I'll be making up my mind of who I want to represent me by Friday. So it's, you know what, Josh, there's not many wins in this like type of field that we're in. Mm. But being wanted, I'm going to say is a win. So it feels good to actually have a choice of like representation. So um haven't made it yet, but you know what? I'm going to plant some roots in this new city. So let's make it happen. Hey, you know what, Lucas? You're a very talented guy, a talented Lucas out there just looking for looking for the right team. So uh, looking forward to seeing when you can let us know about uh, finding the right talented team for Lucas. If that is uh, any inside joke. but uh yeah we'll talk about that soon we'll talk about that soon um Mm. but josh yes mr josh young have you made it yet i have not made it yet but i did manage to hit a bit of a milestone in the last couple months during our little hiatus off so Mm -hmm. just to give everybody a little update for the last two to three months more or less uh but pretty much like two months i was in Mexico City. Uh, I went back 
if you guys remember last an episode last series, uh, I was in Mexico City for one of them. Uh, <laughs> decided to go back and be able to work remotely for about uh, a month, month and a half. Took some vacation wow. as well. <laughs> and yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I managed to uh, kind of find uh, an English comedy show. Um, or actually it was, a, it was Spanglish, but that night it was all an English lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to actually do some comedy in Mexico city, which, uh, actually I have, I don't think I did comedy in us in the U S yet. So mm. it's my first international, what a, if you could call it international, um, well, yeah, it is the first international, uh, experience doing comedy in a different, different country, different culture, different language, even, um, so that was a unique experience. Not only that, but I was able to finally put, uh, together 15 minutes and be able to perform 15 minutes, Damn. which is kind of a, a big deal, uh, to me just to be able to have that opportunity to do that. Uh, and it was a great experience to not only, you know, do some jokes in Spanish, translating into Spanish as part of the joke, mm. uh, but then also, having enough material and being comfortable enough to do 15 minutes uh, for the first time was, was a great experience. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I haven't made it yet, but like, you know, there's been some improvements. There have been some uh, milestones hit. So looking forward to now being back in Toronto and getting back into the comedy scene here uh, this summer and really um improving even further yeah uh, but that actually leads perfectly into our guest for today because <laughs> on the show that i uh did it was called the funny friends spanglish show in uh, mexico city it was at this uh theater it was like a multi-theater um venue uh called the photo shakespeare and our show was in one of kind of like the dive bar side of uh, the entire venue. They had a couple other like bigger theater stages, but this one was mm-hmm. very much um, a nice like little dive bar e laid out uh, stage. Uh, mm-hmm. It opened up pretty much onto the street. Uh, so it was a pretty cool venue. Uh, and I was able to do, like I said, 15 minutes and the host of that show is our very lovely guest today. Uh, just to give a little teaser, uh, he has been doing comedy in Mexico City in both English and Spanish uh, for the last 12 years now, started in uh, 2010, uh, based on what I could research. Uh, and yeah, he's been killing it for the last decade, just making audiences laugh in English and Spanish. Uh, is well-known as one of the first openly gay comedians in Mexico as well. So we kind of have uh, a bit of a trailblazer as well uh, on the show. And he was the host. He was a great host. Um, he would he navigated through the highs and lows of the show uh, very well. So I was very pleased uh, to hear that he was uh, happy to come on board. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to... Uh, Martin Leon. Woo! Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Hi, oh. happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, 
thanks for coming on. Um, again, I just want to say you were a great host that night. Uh, really just master of the ceremonies of, of weaving in and out uh, comedians here and there. There were some like highs and then there were a few awkward moments in there that had to navigate, but uh, definitely happy to have you on. And at, as tradition with all of our guests, we do like to ask right off the top, Martin, have you made it yet? Okay. Um, oh my God, that question is going to give me an anxiety attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have very much not made it yet. Uh, I mean, there's what when you, you you said I've been doing comedy in Mexico for twelve years, and when I started here in Mexico, um, stand-up comedy was basically starting. Mm-hmm. Too. Um, there, there. There's always been like uh, sort of like bar comedians that we call them here in Mexico. Cuenta chistes. They're more like, you know, they do street jokes, but they kind of embellish them. And so when we when we started doing stand up and when I started, literally we we're like 12 people here doing stand up comedy in Mexico. We had to com- sort of explain to people like because people were like, why are you telling me your issues? I just want you to tell me. <laughs> like a joke about the wife that's mad at her alcoholic husband. Um, so navigated that. And yes, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't the first gay guy to be do to be doing stand up comedy, but I was the only, like I, there were other gay comedians that kind of dabbled. Mm. There was one other gay comedian who dabbled, but I was mm. like the only one that did stand up. And like, so in lineups, it was like, you know, so sudden like, Oh my God, it's gay now. um so after all that right now because like the pandemic happened and also like i had a moment just before the pandemic where i became very disillusioned with a lot of parts of the scene of the comedy scene here in mexico Mm -hmm. so i kind of like hit the brakes hard on a lot of things uh just like yeah three to four years ago and then the pandemic of course didn't help because you know like yeah yeah, i did some zoom shows but like uh so I think right now I'm starting to reconfigure what making it means mm. for me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because for a long while I was like, you know, you, you know, you, here in Mexico, since, since we were so new and there were 12 people doing stand up at first, but like a lot of people wanted to help us. We got like steroids pumped into the, like, <laughs> I got I got into Comedy Central Latin America when I had been doing stand-up for like two years. Wow. Um, yeah. And on the one hand, that really pushes you to like bring out your best material. On the other hand, I see that material and I and I'm and I and I want to erase it off the face of the earth. <laughs> um and so like there was the first uh, Mexican uh stand-up comedian to have a special on Netflix. Richo Farrell, he also had been doing comedy for like two years and you can tell. Uh, oh. And so I was seeing all these people like getting super big, super fast. And I just felt so like, like, what am I doing wrong? Am I not being funny mm. enough? Mm. Is it the gay thing? Is it, I, I'm also kind of like intense, you know, I'm the kind of guy that's like, let's, let's make jokes about homophobia and let's make jokes about, you know, um, you know, I, w- I was known as being too woke. I suppose I, I still am. And so like, is it that? Is that? It? <laughs> and then there was this guy who I respect a lot and who I ended up dating actually, who told me 
Martin, you have great comedy, but you have the kind of comedy that's never going to make it big. And mm. Mm. whether he believes it or not, whatever. But I believed it at the time, which really like puts a damper, you know. Yeah. So and I don't want this to be like, oh, my God, put Martin, because it's not like that at all. Like I enjoy doing comedy. I love doing comedy, like just going on stage and making people laugh is my favorite place on earth. Hmm. Um, but like I, I suppose I navigated this whole scene for a long while without really knowing what I wanted beyond making people laugh mm. and the last two years have helped me like no what i want is you know xyz so mm. uh no i haven't made it but i'm i think in the process of yeah it sounds like you went in with like really pure intentions though like you just wanted to make people laugh has that changed though when you said xyz not really like i i always like my main thing with comedy, especially someone who sometimes, again, like quote unquote woke or, you know, wants to talk about different top difficult topics. You know, you meet other people who are either want to either go like very dark or, you know, they they feel they're going to, you know, save humanity through comedy. And <laughs> and I do tell them, you know, like, yeah, but it's like through comedy, you're not making people laugh. You can't just shield yourself on on the on the idea that you're topic is difficult or people are, don't understand you, whatever you, yeah, it is more, you know, and I don't want to make, I don't want to pretend that I'm doing anything, you know, uh, better or like more, you know, like deeper than anyone else. In the end, the challenge is to make people laugh. In fact, mm -hmm. this guy who told me the, that, that, you know, your comedy, whatever, he also uh, has a line uh, that I, that I really take to heart, which is like, um, it's not the, it's, it's not, it's not the job of the comedian to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. It's the job requirement. So the first thing you need to do as a comedian mm -hmm. is to be able to make people laugh. And then that skill, you're going to use it to whatever, you know, for screenplays, for, you know, public speaking, writing, mm -hmm. whatever. So, yeah. It is the, the main thing for me. It's always been making people laugh. And I, I just, it, there's no better feeling in the world for me than, you know, like the way I say it is like, cause I, cause how it happened when I started a uh, stand up comedy here in Mexico was this very like kind of, um, what's the word I told, I told, well, it was a very coincidental thing where I was like thinking, cause my parents were always into comedy and both English and Spanish. So stand up was part of it. And I lived mm -hmm. in Connecticut for two years before cool. going to college. So I watched a lot of Comedy Central. So I loved stand-up. And, and I, so I started film here in Mexico back in 20, back in 2000, mm -hmm. and 2004. And I finished and I, want, and I started working in productions and I didn't really like it. And I was like, I wish I could do stand-up. But here in Mexico, there's like nowhere to do stand-up. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, uh, she's like, I'm dating this guy. I need you to come with me. So you can tell me like 30 minutes into the date. Oh my God, we have to go. And you save me up from this date. So yeah. I went to the date and she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I was like, fine. And so I was left alone with this guy. And I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I do stand up comedy. I'm like, oh my God, where? So then like <laughs> one hour later, this girl's like, we have to go. I'm like, no, 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 you can go. I need to talk to this. Guy. <laughs> um, so the, then there was this uh, event basically here in Mexico, which was like a stand-up comedy festival. And 
the guy who had started doing stand-up comedy here in Mexico, who's mm -hmm. a famous actor called Hector Suarez Gomez, he was gonna, he was doing this festival to like find six people he was going to train in order to make like a comedy group. Uh. And so I got into that festival and I had like a month to prepare and you had to prepare five minutes. And I repeated my five minutes, my five minutes, like to myself over and over myself, over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And so I went, finally went to the, to the show and I, and like the first joke, and I remember, and I remember this joke was like, because like it, the first, the first joke I made was made out of like, please don't laugh me. Please don't boo me off the stage, which was uh, like, hi, I'm Martin Leon. I'm your comedian for the night. I'm a good comedian. I tell you this so you know that if you don't laugh, it's your fault, not mine. <laughs> and when that joke landed, I was like, this is the best thing ever. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Awesome. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, it's like it was happened. It's like, oh, my God, I'm home, you know. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's just been I want to make people laugh. I want to. And for me, it's also like. The, the great thing about comedy is when you surprise people, when people actually, when you say something that people really didn't expect and that yeah. they later said, like, I could have never made that connection. Like, that's the best compliment for a comedian. So, like, that is that is for me. And um, I think for a while I just focused way too much on the on the inner workings and not on the, well, how do I actually made a, make a career out of this? Yeah. I did have a question on there because you did talk about writing in your first five minutes, though. Um, just like from the quick clips that I saw on YouTube and everything, uh, you, you do talk a lot about like, not controversial, but like topics that some people would want to steer away from and everything. Is there any topic to you that's off limits? I mean, there's stuff I won't touch because it's I don't feel it's my place to mm. talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, at first being the only, like at first it was only me and this other girl who was a lesbian, Adriana Chavez. And uh, she was the first lesbian stand-up comedian wow. here in Mexico. And and she she was also very kind of like, uh, you know, very confrontational. And she's like, let's talk about, you know, women, violence against women and everything. So um, at first, like I did feel that maybe as the only gay comedian, I had to sort of try to talk about parts of the acronym that I'm not really part of. Like, you know, mm. like I do, I did try to do like a couple things like a transphobia and stuff like that. But it always felt like, well, I'm like, ideally we, we would have someone from that, you know, who identifies uh, as trans to, to talk about that. And now we do. There's actually, a, right, now I know at least three trans girls are doing stand-up, if not four. Nice. Um, four. Four. And so, no, the, the way I say it is, like, I don't think any topics are off limits. I think you can use comedy to talk about anything. And people might be surprised about this because I am the first person to be like, oh, my God, you that was, you know, quote-unquote, problematic. Mm. Um, but the, the other side of that coin is, like, if you're going to touch on a sensitive topic... Mm -hmm. You need to do it with the care with the care that that yeah. sensitive topic needs. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not going to do it, and you know, just like you have freedom of expression and you want you can talk about whatever, well, so do I, and I can say your joke sucked, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that it kind of gets you know muddier with how social media reacts to stuff, 
But as far as I'm concerned, like you can talk about anything, and especially like at an open mic. If you have a joke on an open mic, I will criticize it if you ask me to, because I don't, I don't believe if you give, you know, unsolicited, unsolicited advice doesn't help anyone. Um, but like, if you, how, however messy a joke was at an open mic, that's what open mics are for. Yep. You know, um, if you realize that your joke made everyone uncomfortable, nobody laughed, and then you take it to an actual show, well, then, you know, people are paying for stuff they have the right to complain about what they're paying for but mm -hmm. uh but yeah no i don't i don't think jokes are off top rather i don't think uh topics are off limits mm -hmm. i just think that if you're gonna if you're gonna raise this banner of you know comedy is this amazing thing where, where you can like you know you know bring consciousness about whatever blah, blah blah then i do expect you to do the work yeah yeah Yeah, I know. I agree because I feel like when there's edge lord comedians or kind of like trolling type of comedians who like to do those type of jokes, but are just kind of like pounding you over the head with with just the shock value of it, then it's like it's not doing the work because the audience is not really with you along for the ride. Like, I agree. I feel like no topic is off limits, but the execution of it can also be, you know, hit or miss and can sometimes be like extremely brutal. Like if you want to talk about a certain to topic that's like controversial uh, has a, or like you may not even be a part of the actual affected group, like then you have you do have to put more like emphasis on like how you do it, like where you're bringing the humor in so the audience can laugh with you. And that definitely requires like more of a scalpel than, you know, than like a chainsaw approach towards it. Um, along the same questions then, as like one of the first comedians to be touching on some of these more taboo subjects, like I know Mexico as well, it stand-up comedy is still very new. It's also a very Catholic Uh, country so like you know very conservative in a lot of senses how ha did you feel the response has been to your style of comedy in like just public bars or like smaller shows where more of the general public audience it isn't like a comedy central like big production it's more you know um, your everyday weekly shows like how has that audience reaction been in your experience over the last few years that's a very good question um it varies and i i've been pleasantly surprised in general by audiences here in mexico like i haven't really been you know when i've been heckled it's not because i'm gay it's just some you know random drunk guy and you know just like he's like oh my god the gay guy's like oh my god the fat guy or oh my god the whatever so on the other one hand i've been pleasantly surprised On the other, yeah, there are times where you realize that people are just review, refusing to connect with you. You know, like mm. everyone else is laughing and you have one guy who's just staring daggers into you because he's like, how dare a gay man, uh, you know, try to try to make me laugh. And um, I remember that like the first time that I had like a, like, let's call him a homophobic heckler, I, I was in this. I was in this uh, stage up in Estado de Mexico uh, and we were several, we were like five comedians, each one of us doing like 10 minutes and halfway through my set, this guy just like 
you know, Dell's, I don't know if you want to believe the Dell's puto, which is basically the F word in Spanish. Right. Uh, but like halfway through my set, I have been doing like, and everyone was laughing, it was good. And halfway through my set, he just yells this out to me. And everyone goes quiet. And I just, I had to turn around. I'm like, did you just notice? Like, I've been talking about being gay for the last five minutes. Did you, like, did you just want, did you have to warn the rest of the people? Oh my God, a gay person is talking to us. Um, so in general, I've had good experiences. It is weird because yes, we're very Catholic and a lot of people are very conservative. But I do think that it helps that I'm making people laugh and that I don't go into heavier stuff until like I have them like, on my side basically um i've had really like i've had really really great experiences you know like after shows like uh you know older women coming and tell me like oh my god my nephew my nephew's gay and i'm gonna tell him about you because i think it's fantastic you know um so there's this i'm sorry i feel like i'm not answering your question but there's this very mixed bag right where i do see people I think also stand-up comedy here in Mexico, just by its very nature, just kind of keeps the most conservative people away. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in larger shows, I I have seen, you know, I have seen the, this uh, these reactions. And especially when I go like outside Mexico City, because Mexico City is like this haven. Um, mm. We, you know, we legalized same-sex marriage like eight, uh, a few years, rather several years before the rest of Mexico. Uh, there's a clinic in Condesa, which is like exclusively for uh, LGBTQ people. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not exclusively, but it helps, you know, with like HIV medicines and mm. uh, hormones for, for trans people and whatever. And so on the one hand, there's this haven here in Mexico City and not even the whole of Mexico City, like downtown Mexico City. So when I go out, what I've noticed is that I kind of have to, I first, have to explain to them that you know i'm gay and it's fine i'm not you know like yeah if i just go into like oh my god my boyfriend and i the other day was doing we're doing whatever they're like wait boyfriend what no so first i have to be like i'm gay and it blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. and that usually like because once you realize like and and that's like a a cool thing that i've learned that i've seen and again it's like been a pleasant surprise i think family and love um, wins over prejudice most of the time. Like, yeah, maybe you have Catholic church saying, oh my God, the gays are bad, whatever. But when in a family, especially here in Mexico, where which is such large family uh, groups sometimes, yeah, your tío, whatever, happens to be gay, but it's more important for, he to, for him to be close to the family and to, uh, you know, help around and, you know, to be okay than it is. Yeah, maybe it is this whole thing where people don't say he's gay, you know, they're like, oh no, he's just, he's just single and he hasn't found the right girl. Right. Right. But in the end, there is that. And again, it's been a pleasant surprise, but there's also been uh, some, um, some not so nice uh, Mm. uh, stuff, like nothing really, I mean, knock on wood, nothing really bad, but, um, but yeah, it's just this mixed bag. Yeah, no. And I I mean, it's I think it's encouraging definitely to hear that on for the most part, uh, like the public audiences have been at least like kind of receptive and they're not like immediately the second you you mention it or the second you establish that as your 
your your presence that they're like oh immediately booing but it's like the humor you're able to you know get in there and then make the audience laugh and then make the audience i guess just feel more comfortable in a sense which is also something that like a lot of minority comedians or performers have to do initially anyways it's like yes. you do need to break the ice of the audience is like yes I am Asian or yes, I am gay. It's like, you have to do that in order for the audience to be like, oh, okay, we can, it's like, it's like, okay, you know that you are <laughs> this so that we know that, you know, that we know that everything is good. <laughs> so, totally. so it's odd. It, it, it really is. You do have to do a lot of like audience management. And th- this is the thing where like, if you're an edgelord type of comedian or you're just edgy, just for the edgy sake, that it's like, you're not managing the audience really. You're just forcing yeah. these like shock value stuff onto the audience. Um, but yeah, no, which is why I think like for you being not only as a great host is like, you, you're just able to be quick on your feet and like handle different audiences and adjust uh, from there. I'm wondering then like in terms of how like you feel like the current working comedian in Mexico, like the scene, if it's like vibrant enough to have enough opportunities week in and week out to go do comedy, like how would you say the scene is now in terms of vibrancy? I think it's really, really hard to just make, you know, just have enough, um, just make enough money in a month out of just stand up. Mm-hmm. maybe here in Mexico there are more opportunities but like especially post-pandemic or post whatever time we're now um the there are there are several shows happening uh but most of them don't you know don't pay that you know you're sharing yeah. whatever comes in with eight other people mm-hmm. and unlike uh CDs with a more established stand-up comedy scene like when I went to New York uh, ages ago, um, like it's really interesting how, like you can hit three open mics on one night. So like you can start writing something that morning and by that night have something. Um, you already try that with three different audiences. Yeah. So um, so it's so it just helps you um, improve because you have more more places to to work in. Here in Mexico, we have like. Um, we have two comedy clubs. There's three, if you're generous about one of them. Um, yeah, you have Photo Shakespeare, who has Photo Shakespeare. Like, funnily enough, at first they didn't want to do stand up comedy there because oh. they're like, We're, we only do theater. <laughs> and when they realized that stand up comedy was pulling in numbers, they were like, Fine, we'll try it. Um, and now there's like a standard comedy night, like there from Thursday, I think to Saturday, if not Sunday, mm-hmm. not all of them, you know, not all of them doing fantastically, uh, but they're there. But what I've noticed is that at first people here were like, I'm a standup comedian. I don't do any other type of comedy. And fortunately now, uh, that's changing. And people are realizing that, no, we what we are is comedians. So mm-hmm. there's so many things that you can do with a comedic talent. You know, you can write, you can, you know, you can write for, you know, for whatever content website, you can write um, screenplays, you can make content, mm-hmm. you can make, uh, you can work for an ad agency, which is what I do. Um, and, and 
for a while, I think people were kind of really wanting this life of, I only do comedy. And mm. now it's more like, no, like I do stand up comedy, but I also do comedy in these other ways. <laughs> I think the first one, and, and I also think it's, it's from people that have had very clear ideas of where they wanted to go with their comedy. Uh, there's mm. this guy called Gon Curiel who, um, who started, he, he knew he wanted to go into TV. So he kind of like pointed himself in that direction. Then at some point uh, he just started having this great, like online presence and people were kind of telling him jokingly seriously you should make an only fans and then he did and he calls it his gonly fans and i don't know i don't know how much money you think of that but you know that's working out for him um mm-hmm. there's you know there's more people writing screenplays and there's more people in the movie industry looking into people coming out of stand-up or you know screenwriters who's like okay i'm gonna try stand-up because you know that's a place for me to practice my my joke writing mm-hmm. so it is expanding and it is also colliding with this world of comedy that already existed in the in the industry that already had in televisa we, we have like two major tv networks here which is televisa and Tevasteca. and also um like uh there's this weird animosity between you know like and i think it happens everywhere you know like with those people on tiktok where there's this kind of like, you're not really a comedian, you're just <laughs> lip syncing jokes. Uh, but I think some comedians are finding how to translate what makes them work on stage to TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's kind of expanding and meeting all these things. So I think right now, yeah, you could you could find yourself, you know, like working comedy full time. Uh, you're you probably aren't making that much money or you have rich parents, which helps. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the scene right now. I feel. Yeah, no, that, that seems like a, a great overview and breakdown of it because it is true. Like comedians, obviously right off the bat, you can't make a living off open mics, especially now as things are getting more and more expensive, you got to diversify into other things like podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, TikTok, different social media. Speaking of which, when I started looking at like your social media as well, I noticed you have like four podcasts. I do. Like two are <laughs> weekly. Like one is bi-weekly. One is periodic. But like, just like, like I, I, we have one podcast. I have another one that I've been mm-hmm. trying to do myself, but it's been a while since I put anything out. But to do four podcasts yourself is like, how have you managed to juggle all of that? I went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> When the pandemic started, like I lost my job and I was like, I need to do something because I live on a fourth floor by myself. And, you know, that's dangerous. So I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And at first I, have, I was like, I was going to have a podcast every day of the week because it sounds easy, right? Like, yeah, no, I'll just do a podcast. Like I'll just talk into a microphone for whatever. It's not like I don't talk to myself. Uh, but like, so right now it's only four. Uh, one of them is called Todo Rosa, which is a play of words in Spanish. Uh, and... And I do, I record that with two friends of mine, one who used to be a stand-up comedian and another Colombian friend who just happens to be funny. <laughs> and that's basically, you know, we started that just because we wanted to get together to drink wine and we're like, we're already here. Let's record. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that one's a lot of fun. And then what, and then the other ones, uh, I have one called Tamaño Oficio, which Todo Rosa is weekly. Tamaño Oficio is also weekly, but we do... 12 episode seasons and then rest for a month. Okay. 
And that one, um, it's we interview LGBTQ people about their work situation. Like, mm -hmm. so the idea is to talk to LGBTQ people because you should most LGBT podcasts end up talking to like kind of the same type of people. People were like public facing, you know, like right. actors, you know, comedians, <laughs> uh, activists. And we kind of wanted to get a, a more um, a wider picture of what it was like to work as a LGBTQ person, <laughs> uh, LGBTQ plus person here in Mexico. So that's so we've interviewed lawyers, teachers, um, architects, yeah. and mostly in Mexico City, sadly. But we have had like we, we interviewed people from outside Mexico City too. And then then we then there's the one I do with my roommate, which helps because he's here. And he's a comedian too. Yeah. So we were like living together. I was like, let's do a podcast. Like, sure, yeah. whatever. Every, every other comedian has a podcast nowadays. Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, that one's called Salemar, because uh, he's Saltiel and I'm Martin. So, <laughs> Sal. I'm thinking about it. So we just ask each other questions around the topic and we try to be funny about it. And I ended up him, ended up, I end up roasting him more often than not, which is accidental, I swear. <laughs> But the editor's kind of like, you're so mean to him. And I'm like, he just sets it up for me. And, you know, like, I can't stop. And then the other one, which is bi-weekly, it's the most niche thing. I've, I've always loved fan fiction. I don't know if you, you know, fan fiction. I think it's more, you know, ever since Fifty Shades of Grey, sadly, more people know what fan fiction is. Um, and I can't, we kind of like this. And I met this friend in film school and she's the only, she was the first person like, well, not the first one, but she was the first person here in Mexico who knew what fanfic was. And we started talking like, oh my God, Harry Potter. Oh my God, yeah, Harry Potter. And name another character here to ship him with. <laughs> and so we we were like, let's do a podcast. And we said like, well, you know, a fanfic podcast. No one's done one of those. Mm -hmm. And that one's really funny. That was, a, that was a lot of fun because, you know, I get to talk about something really niche with a friend who knows about it. And also for some reason... Brazil really likes us. Nice. So there's fanfic is big in Brazil. So that's kind of like, that's so yeah, those are my, and I want to do an English project, but my brain's like, Martin, please, please. <laughs> you need to sleep at some point. Oh man. Yeah. Like all, all four of them are like, have such unique uh, kind of structures and topics and, and themes to them. And then they're all, they are all in uh, Espanol. So any yes. like uh, Espanol listeners definitely listen to, to all, if you want a little bit of everything, you could listen to just Martin's uh, uh, podcast catalog. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just thinking about how much like Lucas and I, like time we put into like uh, scheduling and making sure like we can just put this out every two weeks is like, man, mm -hmm. you're putting two out every week and then like going on rotation for the other ones as well it's yeah. like dang has has that have you felt like all those podcasts have like translated um into like into would you go on into, into stand up <laughs> yeah like ha, ha, have you seen some uh some fruition through through those ventures um kind of i'm gonna be completely honest like my main fault if i can name call it that or my main frustration with myself is mm -hmm. that i'm very i'm very insecure i'm shy i'm not shy <laughs> oh. but i but, but 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 like i'm insecure so sometimes like like for a while i had so many podcasts and like people knew it because like they follow me on social media and i 
you yeah. know, I do have a, 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 I have managed to get 9,000 followers on Twitter, which just, you know, like. Awesome. Um, but then, you know, like at the end of the show, I would always forget to plug my podcast and, you know, like, um, so I, yeah, like some people have told me like after show, oh my God, I, I've heard you in Dolorosa or I've heard you in blah, blah. Um, but it's, it's been, it, it, I haven't, and I think it goes back to the not knowing where I want to take it because podcasts at first were kind of this thing I was doing. Cause like I, as I said, pandemic started, I was here by myself, didn't have a job for a, for a month. So I was like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to do this. And like, my idea was like to start a Patreon and do like extra episodes and whatever. I will say that it helps a lot. I have, I do have an editor. Oh, um, yeah. So, cause before that, I just, you know, it was recorded then going to editing and my brain was like, please just let me go. Yeah. Um, so it does help a lot having an, I don't know if you edit this yourselves, but it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it does help a lot. Um, but so no, what I've seen is I, I, people will, you know, like find, my podcast because they follow me on social media, whatever. And then they'll start, you know, like interacting with me through the podcast. And I know I need to do a better job in making that like a system and not random happenstance. Uh, but it's just like, it, it feels so stupid, but like, I, I just have this visceral response. I don't know. It, it, I, I'm, I am working on this in therapy, I swear. Um, but it's kind of like, I kind of want to tell people what I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I have four podcasts. Yeah. They're kind of funny. Yeah. They're good. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, that's like my main point of what I'm working on right now. So I can be mm-hmm. like, yes, I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go listen to it. And yes, you know, they're good. But when I'm listening back to them, I, I mean, you both are creative people. So, you know, this. <laughs> I'm just noticing every single flaw in the whole uh, yeah like oh my god why did you say that oh my god it said that too fast oh my god why did blah, blah. so um i don't know why i ended up talking about that happens hey, to man me. don't be so hard on yourself man yes. you're, you're I, putting stuff out there that's the main thing yes yeah i mean that's definitely like the creative's dilemma is like yeah. you, you obsess over putting stuff out and uh, creating stuff and then you just cannot look at it again because it's like you put so much effort into it it's like if you if you just find out another thing that pops in your head it's just it's just you start spiraling or, or what that's why like i hear a lot of actors and actresses like they can never watch what they do after it they've acted it and then it's, it's out there it's that is like no i can't watch it i can't watch it. i don't even know what my performance was like i can't watch it i just did it it's good uh and then i'm, I'm happy not looking at it again gosh how many times have you watched your cbc set <laughs> well okay it's again it's not a C, it's not the cbc set I, I every time i have to legally say it's not with cbc it was at the cbc theater um but <laughs> I've I've watched it a decent amount of time, and I do sh- I do literally show it to every new person I I meet because then they could think I'm cooler than I than I am. So I mean, More hey, cool. sim- similarly like Martine with the Comedy Central like clips, it's like I you know that's always a nice little little uh, flex because you'll be like, oh yeah, you yeah. know, if you want to start look, you know look up my comedy, just go to YouTube, just check it out. It's like oh I got a Comedy Central thing. It's like oh I got a a nicely produced clip. It's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. 
Um, but yeah, like just to, I did want to touch on that like uh, quickly, like at the end here is like when you did do that Comedy Central, those recordings, you did more than one. Yes. Like, how was that feeling? Because definitely I know as a comedian to be given the opportunity to be in front of not only a good stage, a uh, good audience, but to have it recorded professionally and it looks nice. Like, how was that experience? Did that feel like a, a making it moment for you? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, once 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 I got over the imposter syndrome, because yeah. um, like because like the first time we recorded, it was, there wasn't even Comedy Central Latin America at the time. It was VH1. There was only we only had VH1 oh, here in Latin America, oh. so they recorded for VH1. And actually, I do we. I mean, we. But I, I specifically want to thank Hector Juarez Gomez who started the whole thing because originally VH1. Um, sorry, because originally VH1 approached him with, "We want to do your show in VH1, just your show. Mm-hmm. And he was wanting to save that for later. So he's like, you know what? No, but I have all these comedians who I've been working with for the past year. So I can, you know, you should give them a space. And so, yeah, the first one, I mean, it does feel fantastic because like you go for, you know, you go and they they tell you, okay, we're going to first check your wardrobe. So they don't give you wardrobe, but you bring stuff and you kind of like say, oh, this is what I had in mind. And, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, and we'll take you and we'll give you this. And, you know, then you have like the, you know, the makeup and the light, you know, the light test and everything. It just feels like you're really like, oh my God, this is not really happening. And then I have actually been in Comedy Central Latin America six times total. Yeah. And I, they do one every year. And it's this massive thing here in Mexico. The last last year, I think we they had like 450 tapes sent in, which I Whoa. guess is even small, like for US numbers, but or for like, you know, English comedy numbers. But um, but yeah, no, like uh, it does feel it doesn't get old mm-hmm. at all. It feels amazing. And everyone in the production is just there to try and help you. So like, if you, like, there was, there was this year where I was like, I want to wear a skirt and, you know, like a kilt. And they were like, yeah, totally. Uh, So uh, I had, I actually had that one made and, you know, they, 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 they give you, they tell, you know, like, well, you know, if you're going to be wearing this, you have to be aware of this and blah, blah, blah. They're super nice. And yeah, no, it, it did feel like a making it moment, totally. And it does feel, you know, great that people can like type your name into YouTube and find a clip of you. Um, and like the first, one of the first like really, really, really touching uh, fan interactions that I had was through there because like the first time I presented myself, presented the first time I recorded back when it was still VH1, like, I remember, I, because, like, at first, like, I told all my friends, because I was so excited, like, you should have to come watch me, because this is recording, and it's fantastic, and I don't know if they didn't believe me, or they just thought they were, like, humoring us, nobody came, like, they asked me, how many of your friends are coming, I'm like, none, and then one friend was there, because someone else dragged him, like, there's this comedy thing, I guess, come, and that's why he ended up there, and... <laughs> So, like, nobody came, and I was, like, feeling down, like, oh, my God, you know, like, am I even, am I even that funny, blah, blah, blah. And then once the, the, the show came out, this, uh, again, it's Latin America, so it's fantastic that you get to be shown all over Latin America. And this boy from Guatemala 
who was 16 at the time and well now, you know, he's out of college and everything. We actually have each other on Facebook. Uh, he just sent me this message saying, I just, and it was like, cause it was super late and I was like up just obsessing about nothing. And just this message message you like, you know, I just saw your show and it made me realize that, you know, that I can do whatever I want because like you're doing what you want there. <laughs> and so, yeah, whenever I feel super like, you know, like insecure, I remember that, but it is fantastic. And it is just so, it is, it is an honor, you know, it's all the cheesy things you've heard, mm. but it's also, um, you know, I don't want to quote uh, Lady Gaga here. You know, there's, can be a hundred people in the room, whatever. No, what I will, what I will say is that once your words reach that far and someone tells you your words, I saw myself in them. And because I saw myself in them, I think I can do more mm-hmm. than it is. It does kind of light a, a fire under your ass to be like, yeah, I need to, I need to do this more and I need to do this better. And I need to get to more people. Yeah. Um, not because I, not because I believe that I, that I, you know, that I'll do, you know, that that'll be like that for everyone, but because um, it does help. And it does, you know, I think, you know, what as you mentioned, like as a minority, um, I have often, you know, there's this line that says, uh, be the person you needed to be when you were younger. And I don't know if younger me needed a single 38-year-old comedian living by himself, <laughs> but um, but it does, it does, it does again feel super nice to just be honest to people, make them laugh. And at the end, they tell you, hey, that was great. Yeah. No, there I agree. There's no better feeling and and to just be able to know that people who you've never met before have seen your material like online or like at a show and they took something from it. Like you were able to connect with them just a little bit. That really Mm -hmm. does, you know, make all the difference in the world in terms of like how doing this is different from like a day job, you know, because sometimes day jobs is like you're just disconnected through your work is like, oh, you did a good job. Cool. I guess is like, but this is kind of like, you know, you're connecting with, with people um, at a certain point, but um, yeah, no, like, okay. So we've talked about like some big moments here and like, we're talking about like your podcast. That's kind of like one of your main focuses. Like one of our last questions then um, that we do like to ask uh, our guests is what at this stage you feel like making it would mean to you now, like, what would that kind of be for you? at your current stage uh like the the person whose job i want the most is bianca del rio i don't know if you've seen her she's a drag queen she won season six of rupaul's drag race and she has won all of them even though she hasn't been in no she she's like a she's she's a stand-up she started as a stand-up and she mainly does uh kind of like insult comedy actually Mm. but she won uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and then she started touring just worldwide. And so you see her going, I think right now she's in Europe. She, she came to Mexico to do her show. I slept on the tickets, so I couldn't, I couldn't get, get some, uh, but she did a Latin, like the, the first tour was just the U S and then, you know, the, uh, and then, you know, Europe, she's gone to Asia. She's gone everywhere. 
and yeah that would be for me like right now like some like a, a big big tour like mm. being able to go just places and meet people and talk to people mm-hmm. and have them you know um have them laugh at my jokes and have them and learn from them and then you know kind of like take them take it's it's amazing how every single country you know we all kind of laugh the same things but every single place you go to has a very specific you have their specific perks and whatever Mm -hmm. and talking to people from everywhere like one of the things i love about doing english stand-up comedy here in mexico city is that i you know i met you you uh josh and i met uh met uh, Shruti from India and I met people from Europe and I met people from a lot of people from the US um, so that that would be for me like like right now making it looks like being able like just yeah writing writing a show like every one or two years and then being able to you know tour it around and having mm-hmm. people expect you to come back and you know, have yeah. those messages like come to my town that would be that's my that's my kokoro yeah uh that's a that sounds great that sounds great Mm -hmm. in my head as well um great well we're coming towards the end of the podcast and every episode before we played a game with our guests called like 10 word association uh but this series season we feel like we want to change it up a bit so lucas and i will each have just one question for a what would you rather type question uh that we think might be another interesting way to get into the minds of our guests so i'll let lucas start us off with his Mm -hmm. would you rather question oh man i have two right now and one of them could uh, i don't know okay all right so would you rather okay i'm gonna go for this one okay screw it would you rather bomb a set fully clothed like your worst bomb or kill naked well already bomb fully clothed <laughs> no i but have i think you killed i mean, i think i would rather kill naked <laughs> yeah like i'm sorry love it you know how love it. as long as they're not laughing at my body mm. like you're, you're okay. so funny that the mere the fact that you're naked on stage is not even crossing their mind that's that's the sign of a of a master comedian that's what it is Mm-hmm. okay cool that's my one yeah <laughs> all right I, i've got i've got one that's uh kind of similar to like the theme of our our podcast so martin would you rather see 10 years into your future and know what your life will be like or would you rather not know oh god <laughs> oh my god I suppose the question is, can I do something about it if I see it 10 years into the future? Mm, yeah, all the psychological, you know, impacts <sighs> of what that could mean. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I, I think I would rather not know. I think mm. if I knew, like, even if I knew, oh my God, everything. This is 10 years to my future. <laughs> um, if I, I think if I knew, I kind of be like, you know, every I would just remember everything you know bad about it and be like, okay, I need to I need to keep that from happening. And I think I would just you know cause a Mad Max version of a world to happen by trying to prevent something bad. So yeah, I think I just I'm gonna stay with no, stay with no, uh, and 
and yeah, and then just wonder forever if if I could have changed anything if I knew. Oh man, I always love those type of questions because it's like I honestly think it it is like a lose lose situation if you do see into the future. It's like even if it's you're living an amazing life ten years in the future, mm-hmm. like so that means you know that it's gonna happen. So then, what do you do now? Like. Does nothing you do matter, or does like everything you do matter, or is yeah. like so? It's like ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is is bliss. We're just constantly trying to make it. We don't know what when it's gonna happen or if it'll happen, but it's the pursuit, man. It's the pursuit. Or hell, exactly. in ten years, you'll have ten podcasts. Like who cares? <laughs> just do it per day. Like, per yeah, day, yeah, per day. Oh, just man. talking constantly. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you know what? We're coming to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much, Martin, for joining us all the way from Mexico City. Uh, yeah, I think it's been a great, great conversation with you just to learn a bit more about the comedy scene in Mexico and your experience as well. So thank you again so much for Martin Leon. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I hope to see you guys uh, if you come back here. I don't know if you've been here to Mexico, Lucas, but if you haven't, I hope you visit soon. I want and- to soon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was great meeting you. It was great watching you on stage. And yeah, just thank you so much for having me. You're very, very welcome. And like, uh, what are your social social media handles as well? Just uh, so we Of can... course, um, my social media basically everywhere is my name with all the letters jumbled because I am different. <laughs> and it's at Mintonarel, M-I-N-T-O-N-A-R-E-L. Uh, because at Martin Leon on Twitter uh, is owned by this guy from Peru who hasn't tweeted since 2009 and I hate him. Uh, And yeah, no, like at at some point I was like, yeah, no, the mint on Iroh, it sounds fancy. And then I just kept it and I'm sticking to my guns until someone tells me Martin's stopping stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And then of course we'll include links uh, down below to all four of uh, Martin's uh, podcasts. So definitely check those out if you are, can understand espanol uh and then follow him across social media look up his uh comedy on youtube as well uh just to check it out in espanol and i think like your youtube channel does have a couple clips on there that are also have, english i have my second um english routine bit set whatever mm-hmm. on on there which i did here in mexico and then i have a couple clips from yeah. uh shows are like two three years old and i'm trying to good more um but every time i record myself i'm like no i can do it better <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that dilemma uh but yeah check them out uh lucas you what are your handles uh you can find me across social media at lucas john ing and josh bring it home baby yes find me at josh yang comedy across everything and of course the sleep with josh podcast is still out there albeit very few new episodes but it's still out there you still got a collection of of things you can listen to me read uh so sleep with josh podcast and of course like subscribe and follow to the at hwmiy podcast have we made it yet podcast on youtube and across also social media thank you so much for listening to our series three uh episode one kickoff episode so yeah stay tuned for more in a couple weeks have a good night peace